is up costa ghosters i'm carly and i'm charlie and we're here to teach you how to make dream catchers i never went to church camp like i never went to no i did go to church camp i like never wait, went to camp wait. to learn dream catchers i didn't either but i made dream catchers at home for fun oh no i've never i've never done that i made but mine were made out of a, a white paper plate and then we would cut little holes in it and tie little strings. <laughs> huh. We made a bird's nest, which was basically just pretzel and melted chocolate. Um, and that was our at-home craft. What? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds delicious. It, no, it was 100% <laughs> delicious. That's a fun craft because then you get to... I love crafts that you get to eat. Yeah, and as a kid, you got to cover your hands in chocolate, and it's just like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. 10 out of 10. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I actually do not have any updates of any of our past episode cases at the moment. I have an update about oh, something no. that is happening right now. Um, it's not oh. technically true crime. It is, but it's not. I'm just livid about it. Um, okay, go on. <laughs> so I need Pop to get it out off, there. Queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you guys know who? Uh, well, Carly. Specifically. <laughs> Do you guys? <laughs> I'm sure you guys do because she's all over the news right now. Um, but Colleen Ballinger. Oh my you, god! Uh, I saw that there was some. Like she's kind of getting canceled, right? Yeah, so essentially, uh, back in 2021, Colleen Ballinger had this entire, uh, she basically had a lot of people come forward who used to be her fans, um, and they were basically, trigger warning, accusing her of uh, child grooming. Oh. Nothing happened. Like, this came back, this came out back in 2021, and nothing happened. Um, she didn't do I, damage I, cleanup. I remember, like, hearing about it, like, years ago. Yeah, because she didn't do anything. Um, I believe his name or their name is uh, Adam, maybe. Uh, I'm I'm not completely sure. It was so long ago when this initial thing happened. But, you know, she Colleen kept carrying on making videos and all this kind of stuff. Right. And it seemed completely fine. Obviously, it's not fine. Anyway, stuff came back out this year, which is why you're probably getting it on TikTok of like, yes, um, Colleen Ballinger canceled. So like, Literally two hours ago, from when I'm telling you this, two hours ago, Colleen releases her apology. Mind you, more evidence has come out since 2021. Oh, don't even worry about it, because it's not a real apology. She pulls out a ukulele and sings a 10-minute song, a 10-minute song about how she did some things wrong, doesn't apologize. She did some things wrong, but... You know, it's just cancel culture. Like, people are spreading um, misinformation. And she said, my my team told me not to respond to this, but they didn't say I couldn't sing a song about it. So literally 10 minutes, she's not only mocking her victims, but she's mocking, like, all of these people that used to follow her, that, like, respected her. And obviously that's changed 100%. But, like, oh girl, my God. What, what possessed you <laughs> to pull out a ukulele and do this like what is wrong with you i like, used to love colleen ballinger like i was a youtube girly like i can't right. even deny that even when we worked together like i was a yeah. fucking youtube girly but like oh my god it's just ridiculous 
like she's just kind of making fun of her victims and it's just like oh my god dude, that's so gross fucked up and she said like somewhere in the song she was just like oh yeah um yeah i will go talk to my fans in group chats but that was when youtube was just starting out and there were no boundaries which like yeah okay whatever Ew. but like, you were grooming people like literally one of the lines in her song was literally i've never groomed anything except for my two cats ew uh, dude like i cannot i cannot make that up and i'm livid about it um if you if you can't tell worst apology ever goes to colleen ballinger oh, oh and apology videos like just in general are already yuck and this is just double. Oh, oh my the God! How insensitive! Video how I will ever. You said what? How insensitive! I, it's yeah. It's it's like, really fucked up. Most apology videos are. Yeah, that's true. The only YouTuber apology video I will accept is Jenna Marbles, and she did not have to apologize oh, for she anything. She did not. Oh, I what a true queen true queen we love her there i'm telling you like the original youtubers there's only like three or four left that have not done something horrible and you know even if they have we don't know like i don't know anyway that's my rant um fuck (sighs) colleen ballinger yeah oh that's so gross i oh that makes makes my skin crawl i know it's horrible i i recommend going to watch the video because i feel like one it's not going to be up that long and two this will forever remain the worst apology yeah ever like the worst apology ever gosh gosh you want to know what a bad apology is what so obviously i love vanderpump rules Mm -hmm. and if any of you listeners have just watched this past season, you know what Scandaval is. For you that don't know who Scandaval is, what is. So, this guy, Tom Sandoval, has been dating this girl, Ariana Maddox, for about nine years. And it came out in March that Tom was having a secret seven-month affair with Ariana's best friend, Raquel or Rachel Levis. So this Vanderpump Rules they have a reunion after like every season and so all the cast was on and Rachel like never apologized never shed a cheer a tear shit and it's like she just kind of sat there she like she spoke and everything but like never once did she shed a tear and then at one point like when some of the cast was like on set like filming and she's watching from her trailer and they're everybody's like bawling like how could she do this like like she ruined like our friendship blah 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 and she's just staring blankly like at the tv watching like has no remorse like she has no friends because she clearly ruined all her friendships because she slept with her best friend's boyfriend yeah so shit is anybody yeah, holding it, the boyfriend accountable yes everybody hates him oh too. thank god okay oh, i was yeah. about to say if they only hate her and they're like oh well this guy's no. fine like it was her i'd be like mm, i don't know yeah, about that and but rachel's uh ex-fiance his name is james kennedy he's a dj and you guys may have seen him on tiktok because people post 
things from his like um shows and stuff all the time but you know that one song that's pretty popular like on tiktok and i hear it on the radio too but it's like the boy's a liar yes so he plays it at his shows but makes the crowd go send a vols a liar send a vols a liar <laughs> i love that but yeah so that was a no apology issue shit like but, man yeah. guys people, maybe people don't be suck. shitty people yeah people maybe suck. just don't be a bad person <laughs> okay now that was eight minutes of nothing related to true crime <laughs> but it what needed we, to be said it did it did it really did i will pull out our not sponsored but if you're listening morbid curiosity you should totally sponsor us um it's our trivia card okay i know we lost our streak but maybe we can start it back two card streak (laughs) okay how many sheep fleeces does it take to make a woolen coffin literally (laughs) yep go for it go for the multiple choice a three b five c seven or d no such thing uh, five uh, it's three i don't even know what a woolen coffin is literally i have but never also how am i supposed to know that how am i supposed <laughs> So the little, like, answer to it is, in 2011, a family-run wool mill in West Yorkshire, England, began offering woolen coffins. So it's literally just one place I offering guess. woolen coffins, and they're like, actually, how many sheep skin does this, does this <laughs> it's take? Not, it's not skin. It's not skin. It's just their hair. Oh, good. Good. Yes. I'm glad. Guys, just a heads up. I took Benadryl before this episode, so you're on. You're on. You're high on Benny. Oh, high here's on a Benny. good question. <laughs> okay, you've received a dinner invitation from death. What do you choose for your last meal? Spaghetti. That's th- that was so quick because I love spaghetti. Spaghetti is really good. I am specifically going to go with Kane's chicken. Like, that's ah. it. That's the one. It is the best chicken I've ever had in my life. Oh. I don't eat chicken. I oh, you I wouldn't even sp- eat chicken during your last dinner with death. No, not at all. Chicken is, like, something that actually kind of grosses me out. Like, seeing that's it raw, I'm like, Ooh. and and now I have chicken, so it makes me sad. Yeah, that is very fair. It depends on, like, how it's cooked. Anyway, we don't have to talk about how death would cook chicken. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just, I'll just get right into today's case because it, I'm going to be honest, it's a crazy one. Oh, great. It's Let's so go. weird. So excited. It's so weird. Okay. I'm not, I don't even have like an intro for it. I'm just, I'm just going to dive right in. I'm ready. Let's do so, it. So this week's case takes place across the pond. It starts off in Harderpool, which is a seaside port town in County Durham, England. On August 14, 1950, John Darwin was born. He attended St. Francis, Francis Xavier's Grammar School in Hartlepool growing up, and then he would attend De La Salle College, where he would study biology and chemistry. I was literally about to say, dude, that school's not real. I was like, <laughs> what? That's from the X-Men. It's not. It is not. <laughs> I was like, wait. 
this is the story of the X-Men. I'm kidding. <laughs> so John would then marry Anne Stephenson on back note. These people end up sucking, but this is a great date. So they would actually get married on December 22nd, 1973, which is my oh, birthday. Oh my God. But like 30 years before. I was like, dude, actually 20 years before. Almost, almost Shit. 30 years before, but... <laughs> So, John would uh, teach science and math for about 18 years before leaving uh, before leaving to work in the banking industry. He would then eventually become a prison officer at HSM pri- or HM Prison Home House. So, pretty vast career field, I'd say. Anne Stephenson grew up in a neighboring village in Harderpool called Blackhall Colliery. She attended St. Joseph's Convent. So she she grew up with the nuns. There is a convent on the way between towns, between where I live right now. And <laughs> it's not a funny joke, you guys, but literally every single time we drive by and there's someone in the car, I pull over to like, well, not I don't pull over, but I threaten to pull over. And I'm just like, you want me to drop you off here? You want me to drop you off at the Abbey? <laughs> no one thinks it's funny. But I do <laughs> I it do. anyway. <laughs> so while she was not remembered for her academics at uh, school, she was remembered for her vastly good looks. In her teens, she would go on to compete in beauty pageants and become a beauty queen. In the 1960s, she would hold the title Miss Blackhall Colliery. While also in her teens, she would work at a local sweet shop next to the Darwin family home. This is also when her and John would begin their relationship. She would recall John would make multiple attempts to court her, and she would decline. Eventually, she would agree, and happily ever after, so to speak. She was known to be pretty prim and pop proper. She would go on to work a secretarial job. After they married, they would welcome into the world son Mark, and then later son Anthony. Together Cute, as a couple- Mark Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Like Mark Anthony in, from Cleopatra time, or Mark Anthony like J Lo's ex husband. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> together as a couple, they would purchase some homes that they would actually rent out as bedsits. A bedsit is kind of, sort of like a bed and breakfast apartment type kind of thing. Uh, guests would rent out a bedroom, and they would share all common spaces like bathrooms and kitchens, and like it was for like long-term stay okay gotcha so kind of like college housing yeah yeah that makes sense one more mystery coast to ghost is currently in its third season and to check out our old episodes you can always click on the link in the description to get to our website Follow us on Instagram at C2G Podcast, where we post photos from each bizarre case that we cover. And don't forget to leave a review if you listen on Spotify or Apple Music. So on March 21st, 2002, is when everything in this seemingly seemingly picture-perfect world would change. John, who was supposed to be present for a shift at the prison, did not show up. He would then be reported missing by his colleagues, since it was really odd that he didn't show up that day. 
Authorities would then learn that the last person to see John alive would be his neighbor, Howie Rusin. Earlier that day, Howie would be looking out into the bay at Seton Carway. Caru? I don't know how to pronounce that, actually. Um, so I apologize. It's so okay. he'd be looking out into the bay and he would catch a glimpse of John paddling his kayak alone in the distance. A large-scale search would take place on that bay, but John nor his kayak were anywhere to be found. The search included searching 62 square miles of the coastline, and it just seemed as John just vanished. I think I know the story. Oh, really? I've never heard of this one, ever. I I might know it. Keep going, I might know it. During a search on the following day, March 22nd of 2002, there seemed to be some break in the case, whether it be good or bad, but the paddle belonging to John would be retrieved near the bay. Later that day, wreckage of the kayak belonging to John was found. This did, however, leave those who were tasked with the search and rescue of John a little puzzled with the finding. They would note that this body of water were this body of water was unusually calm during this time, and there really shouldn't have been any deterrence for John's adventure or anything that would really cause him any trouble. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't doesn't sound like a giant ocean that has like a right. bunch of... Wa- I know there's waves in bodies of water no matter what, but it doesn't sound like something... It sounds like he's an experienced kayaker and yeah, it shouldn't and, throw him off. And it was very calm, so they're like, this is especially like with all the remnants of his kayak that they found, it was like super odd because they're like, what the heck could have caused like there was no storm there like it shouldn't uh, come up like this that's so weird so there was still absolutely no sign of john darwin a couple years would pass and still there would be no sign or no clue to what actually happened to him in 2003 john would would be legally declared dead with his death cer- uh, with his death certificate declaring his date of death to be march 21st 2002 this is kind of like odd too because his body was never found nor recovered hmm. and that is all until five years later on december 1st 2007 something very strange happened at the west end central police station in london england a man walked into the police station and awkwardly announced to all i think i'm a missing person actually it probably sounded like oh, i think i'm a missing person oh my god <laughs> That was the most dad joke you have ever (laughs) said. So this man had claimed to have amnesia and had no memory of what occurred the past five years. The man would, in fact, 100% be confirmed to be John Darwin in the flesh. Yeah, I've heard this story before. Ah, it's odd, isn't it? Very odd. It's not odd. It's crazy. It's cray cray. So, Anne was obviously overjoyed and very surprised that her husband had not been dead like everyone thought. What was unaware to the apparent missing mind of John Darwin and his wife Anne was that they had actually been under investigation for some time now. So, why was Anne under investigation? So, we're going to trickle all the way back to 2002 now. So, after John had disappeared on his kayak excursion, while all those people were out searching and searching for John, he would actually be living in one of the family bedsits that 
him and Anne operated right next to their actual home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've seen uh, photos of this place. It's big, but also, like, what, how do you hide there? You right. Know? <laughs> right. So he would then, in 2003, 2003, secretly move back into the family home. And by this time, their sons were, like, in their, late 20s and did not live at home. So it was just him and Anne. Uh, their children, Mark and Anthony, still believe their father to be dead until the moment he walked into that police station in 2007. So during 2003, when John had moved back in with Anne, Anne had also received John's life insurance payout since he was officially declared dead. Anne was able to use this money to pay off some of their debts, including their mortgage, and this also would allow her to eventually quit her job. See, life insurance is important, but please, before you take out a life insurance policy on yourself or other people, make sure no one involved is a sociopath. Right, right. So, sometime in 2003, one of the tenants that lived in the bedsit that John was staying at actually ran into John and asked, aren't you supposed to be dead? And John replied with, don't tell anybody about this. The tenant, who obviously realized something absolutely insane was going on, decided it would probably be in their best interest to just not be involved, never say anything about this run-in, and just forget about it. Why in the hell would he rationally be like yeah don't tell anybody about this he could have been like i'm sorry what are you talking about yeah like, I'm, i don't want to aid in this but also that seems like if you go through all this trouble to fake your own death one right. why are you in the same area still and two why in the hell would you say don't tell anybody about this just be right. like what are you talking, are you talking about, about? <laughs> exactly. gaslight them exactly <laughs> so in the following year in 2004 the couple thought about moving abroad Obviously, John, presumably being dead, could not just free will and travel, so he did have to use a fake alias named John Jones. The couple then would travel to Cyprus in search of a potential property to purchase. John Jones, though, is such a fake name. Like, if somebody came to me and was like, hey, I'm John Jones, I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. (laughs) Or, like, John Jones is so similar to Jim Jones that I'd just be like, what? What the fuck's going on? So after a couple uh, more years of living in secret and under a false name, the couple decided that they may potentially want to move to Panama. They traveled there to create a company by the name of Jaguar Properties, which would help them uh, buy a two-bedroom apartment there, and would return back to England to sell the Darwin family home in England. The couple would then purchase a tropical estate back in Panama, which they wanted to convert into a lodging hotel type situation. The media reported that the couple initially had wanted to create a resort for canoeing holidays, mm-hmm. but John would rebuttal that by saying the media was just fabricating and romanticizing his story with that fact. How is that romanticizing? It's, it's hilarious. I think it's kind of silly. <laughs> so the couple would go back and forth between the UK and Panama until around June of 2007. Around this time, Panama's visa laws were changing and would require Anne and John to receive Panamanian... I can't pronounce this. Panamanian? Panamanian. That's it. Require them to receive Panamanian investors' visas. 
This would require the UK government to do a thorough check of their identities, however. So, John, knowing his John Jones alias would never pass a government check, is when he made the decision he would have to return back to the UK as John Darwin. (laughs) However, before that could happen, one of Anne's colleagues, before she quit her job, had overheard a conversation Anne was having on the phone in September of 2007, three months before John would appear in the police station. She alerted the authorities about her suspicion, so she was just like... It didn't really go into depth about this phone call, but I guess it was just like the coworker maybe thought she was talking to her husband who was supposedly dead and she was like, that's off. They're not even trying at this point. They're really not. They really never had. So No, the- I think they got, they were comfortable before it happened, during right. everything happening, and then after they're even more comfortable. So... The police had begun looking into this inclination and would notice some odd things about Anne. Although she would act as a broken-hearted widower, she would also take a lot of trips abroad and send large sums of money abroad. And that all just kind of seemed a little odd to police. A little after John arrived to the police station and the news about the missing canoe man started making headlines, the authorities would then receive an anonymous but incredibly crucial I I put cruel, but I meant crucial, piece of evidence. A photo that was posted to the, quote, move to Panama website with the caption, help you find a home, clear customs, and move to Panama without a hitch, captured Anne, John, and a realtor was sent to authorities. Oh my god. The Daily Mirror tabloid also received this photo and would post an article of the picture And the pun-filled title of this photo being, Canoes This in Panama. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. That's really nice. (laughs) And uh, you might think, well, what's so odd about the picture? If they know he's alive and everything, the the timestamp on the photo was just a dead giveaway to it all because it was dated 2006 july 4th which was well over a year prior to when john would arrive in that police station seriously if you're gonna go through the trouble of faking your own death just disappear right like don't take photos especially with your wife doing yeah you're gonna fake your death and then remain with your wife and i feel bad for the kids like yeah i don't know how much they knew or if they knew anything but jesus so I'm actually about to like get right into that. So before all this came out, Mark and Anthony, the Darwin sons, had still believed their father to be completely dead. And upon his return, they were so excited to finally have him back. But once the photo was released, Anne would confirm that was in fact John in the picture and said, yes, that's him. My sons will never forgive me. Mark and Anthony would then come out with a statement saying that they felt like they were both victims in a scam and would wish to have no contact with either of their parents. Yeah, I don't blame them. They were essentially... Could you imagine grieving your father but not knowing where he is for years? And then he just says, actually, I've been living in the walls. Or like, boy, what are you doing? And I read like one post too. uh, I believe it was Mark... Uh, was actually like abroad during the time of his father's disappearance so he wasn't even around during it which kind of like hit him hard but yeah i i would be pissed pissed yeah 
So John was facing charges of insurance fraud and making false statements to obtain a passport, and Anne was faced with two charges of fraud. They would eventually both be convicted with John being sentenced to six years and three months in jail and Anne six years and six months in jail because the police Hmm. would testify stating that they believed Anne to be a compulsive liar. Yeah, I mean, you think? Yeah. So John was released on probation in January of 2011 and Anne in March of 2011. The couple has since divorced after she told John she wanted to end their marriage. John has since moved to the Philippines and has a new wife, who we met online. And Mark and Anthony have since rebuilt some of their relationship back with Anne, but John has absolutely no contact with them at all. Oh my god, that is wild. is the story of the missing canoe man. Oh my god, the missing canoe man. Yeah. Cases like that are insane there's a right way to disappear and there's a wrong way to disappear db right. cooper he did the right way to disappear my dog canoe fucking. man the absolutely bad way right and like oh my gosh like it just it's like it's so crazy to me too that like like i couldn't really find any articles stating about if the police searched any of the family's properties but like why wouldn't they you know like yeah like they had all these properties that would be like one of the first places where i would go to look i think it was the whole thing of oh he left willingly something bad happened right that kind of thing right yeah it's just i've never heard that story and i think it was absolutely like insane it is absolutely wild Mm -hmm. but thank you for listening to another episode of coast to ghost be sure to check out the link in the description of this episode and uh, it'll take you to our website where we post pictures and all of our um, case notes and our research notes, as well as it can take you to all of our different social media platforms where we post pictures related to each of our cases so you can get a better picture. And don't forget, if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to give it a good rating and tell all your friends and family about it. Yeah, I'm going to take a Benadryl nap. And don't forget to stay spooky while you take that nap. <laughs>